Welcome to Are You in the Know, an educational podcast brought to you by the Racine Unified School District. I'm Emily DeBaker, the Chief of Staff for the Racine Unified School District, and I'm thrilled to be keeping you in the know. This podcast covers all sorts of things happening throughout the district to help keep you in the loop of what's happening in our classrooms, new things coming to the district, decisions that are being made, and how they're made, plus so much more. Today, we're going to be discussing our shift to evidence-based grading and how that will impact what you see on your student's report card and the reason behind this change. To help us understand it all, we welcome Interim Chief Academic Officer Janelle Decker, Assistant Director of Curriculum and Instruction Joanna Borchart, and our Assistant Director of STEAM, David Venny. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Before we get into today's topic, we want to get to know our guests a little bit. So Janelle, tell me about your role in the district and also what's the worst grade you ever got in school and what subject? Ooh, that's tough. So my name is Janelle Decker. I'm the interim chief academic officer right now. I have been with Racine Unified for 16 years. I've held a lot of different positions from teacher to assistant director of curriculum instruction, mainly overseeing uh, reading English language arts, and now currently um, taking hold and taking charge of evidence-based grading. I'm Joanna Borchert. I'm the assistant director of curriculum and instruction. I oversee math, kindergarten through 12th grade for the district. I've been here since 2006 in various roles, teaching um, instructional coaching and now in curriculum and instruction. I noticed that you both very um, probably purposely left out your worst grade in what subject. So, yes. Joanna? Oh, that it's been a while. Um, probably... Spanish, like third level Spanish, whatever that was called back in the day. I got a C. It was harder than heck. Mine was probably college art history. And I think really, I, I got a D. <gasps> I know. Um, I think it was just really, I didn't understand why I had to take it for my major. And since I wasn't engaged in the real purpose behind it all, I just felt like I went there to just fill a requirement. Um, I didn't really have any motivation, and I did really bad. So you didn't really take control of your learning I then, did, did not. You? I did not. Dave, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm the Assistant Director of STEAM, and I oversee FIAD Health, Science, and STEAM. I've been in the district for about 15 years in a variety of roles, from classroom teacher to instructional coach to where I am now. Um, my worst grade ever was a C in a college art course I cannot draw for the life of me. Um, and it's just still to this day, I'm a stick figure kind of guy. So Nothing wrong with that. All right, let's get into evidence-based grading a little bit. And, and to start off, um, maybe just share a little bit about what evidence-based grading is and then the, the changes that they'll see this year. We already have some courses that are evidence-based graded in high school this year. Um, not that many. We had some that kind of were testing it out and piloting it. But this coming year, we'll have 57% of all of our high school courses as evidence-based graded um, with the goal of the following year, all of our courses being evidence-based graded. Middle school actually will all be evidence-based graded starting next school year. And then we do have plans to change all of our elementary courses to evidence-based grading in the 24-25 school year. If you had to just give a, a succinct answer, what, how would you say that standards-based and evidence-based differ? Like what is the most 
What is the biggest difference between the two? The biggest difference is really focusing on skills that really overarch um, grade levels. Uh, We can have consistency between what eventually will be our elementary skills and how those build up all the way into our high school skills. We'll continue to be standards aligned. So taking a math example, um, our adopted standards and district are common core and will remain common core. Um, All of our materials are aligned to Common Core, but we don't have to report on every single standard that Common Core lists. That's exhausting for teachers to report on, um, and it's exhausting for parents to take all of that very uh, educator-based language and make something of that. Um, So as we looked at, you know, what skills are important to us to build in our students, Um, We really narrowed that field to three to five typically essential skills that we want to build up and see students be successful with by the time they graduate high school. There's there's something that we're trying to also achieve with the shift from standards-based or traditional grades to evidence-based, and that's this idea that um, learning is a process, a co-constructed process. And that we're trying to change the school environment from like a performance environment, just tell me what I have to do to get a grade, to instead, what do I have to learn to earn proficiency? So it, it, it is a different mind shift. And, and I do think that some students, it's going to take a little bit more because they're so used to just tell me what problems I have to do. Tell me what lab write-up I have to do. Do I have to fill out this worksheet and give it to you? And by what day? And that is what is quote unquote learning. But that that's just not really how we go about learning skills in, in real life. Um, so we're shifting now to this learning-based environment that is collaborative and, and it's done together. There's been a lot of disconnect uh, between um, just the, the schooling process and the students uh, since COVID. And we want students to come back and really be able to take control of their learning. Um, This isn't something that we're doing to them. This is something that they participate in. And this, this model really... I think provides that structure for kids. So uh, teachers provide timely feedback on very specific skills. And then the students have the opportunity to know where, where they are performing currently with those skills. And then they know the exact pathway of where they need to go based on very clear criteria. We call them rubrics. Um, that that the teachers explain to the students. So this isn't a hidden agenda, which we might have sometimes felt like when we went to school when we were kids, that um, you know they would give you a pop quiz and try to trick you, quote unquote. We're we're very open, and we we want teachers to become more of a facilitator of the learning with the kids. Like this is a process we do t- together, and as the expert, as your teacher, I'm going to guide you through these steps that you need to take uh, to, to master a specific skill. So you might see at the beginning of a skill, at the beginning of a course or beginning of a unit, um, scores not being great, 
But if you think about all the skills that you've ever done in your life, how often do you master something first out of the gate? Very, very rarely. So um, this kind of mindset and this model shift is getting students to understand that that failure is a good thing and, and practice is something that's necessary. And we're here uh, to, to help you along that process so that you really become um, you know, the master of, of your own learning. One other thing that I think is going to help solidify the idea that learning crosses between disciplines too is something that's the goal of evidence-based learning. So you might see a skill as argumentation potentially, um, as a skill in English, a skill in social studies, and a skill in science and could and, it, math. and math, exactly. So so kids can start to see that really broad scale, I need to leave high school understanding how to form arguments, and then I'm just going to do that in different content areas. It really gives them a better idea of what those main skills are and why they're so important. I think parents will be pleased uh, even more so if their kids know how to properly form an argument. (laughs) They'll be calling you and saying, thanks so much for that. Can you give us a couple examples of of what this would look like in the different grade bands? So I'm going to use a sixth grade math example. Um, One, our first skill is creating visual mathematical representation. So really, you know, getting that graph in mind, constructing that um, visual representation of whatever is going on in that mathematics problem. Um, A student might be assessed in that in what may be unit two when they're exploring fractions and decimals and percents. Um, And they may be assessed on that same skill a little bit later in the semester when they're looking at integers and rational numbers and the coordinate plane. Um, So our skills kind of loop. Um, They're going to be assessed throughout the year just with different content in mind. A high school example for science, I I think what's important is we... um, basically said our vision and mission for science was for students to develop the skills of a scientist um, and those skills will transfer to multiple disciplines. So our science team identified five high leverage skills that will be used across actually all 6th through 12th grade uh, science courses with again the content varying. So uh, one skill that we want our students to be really good at is planning and carrying out investigations. And so our teachers will be providing students opportunities to engage in that skill by having them do different science experiments. And through that process, a teacher is able to then assess how well um, a student is able to uh, plan and carry out an investigation uh, for that science experiment. So what will parents see as a change when they look at their student's report card? Um, What are some of the changes that a parent would see as the shift to evidence-based grading? So our middle school families aren't going to see anything that is visually a whole lot different in a student's report card. They're still going to see numbers, your 4321, 4 being proficient, kind of above and beyond a student who can take what they've learned and really put it into new context. Um, A 3 really being proficient, like I can show independently that I can do what I've been explicitly taught. And then our ones and twos students who aren't quite there yet, um, they're taking steps in the right direction. They may be able to do pieces, but may need some support, some support along the way. Um, our high school families, however, are going to see a shift in what's reported at quarter one or quarter two in comparison to what's reported on a student's transcript. 
Um, so for example, if a student is performing at a proficient level, whether that's middle or high school on a report card, let's say quarter one, just as an example, um, they might see a three for that skill. And that's right online with what we want students to know and be able to do at that point in their educational journey through that course. The one difference when we transition over into high school is we wrap those grades up into a transcripted grade. Um, and it was really important as we were exploring how that would look to keep the familiarity of letter grades on a transcript. Um, so we will keep your A, B, C, D, F on a transcript the same as we have for quite a long time. Um, and that calculation is really based upon proficiency in each of the skills that are articulated for that course. Um, we'll share that and post that online so that that's familiar to students, to families, um, in terms of how those transcript grades are calculated. Um, and that'll also come home on a course syllabus for each high school course that students take. So this change can be a, a bit scary for some parents, especially as they kind of navigate um, a new normal of what their students, how their students are assessed in the classroom, and then maybe what they see on a report card. So just discuss kind of um, we'll, we'll ease the parents' minds out there that this is actually an opportunity for students to show off skills in different ways. You no longer necessarily need to be great at tests to earn an A. You can do it in other ways. So explore that a, a little bit. Yeah, I think one of the um, beauties of evidence-based grading, and this is to use a sports analogy, is that uh, teachers are encouraged to offer students opportunities that are called scrimmages. And a scrimmage is meant to actually mirror the game, which would be that test or that assessment. And so I think Janelle mentioned earlier about pop quizzes and kind of the, the old school method of that you'd be surprised with the test when you walk into a class. Where now um, we're encouraging our staff to really give kids um, those chances to actually wrestle with uh, the content and the level of um, material that they would be um, having to see on a test prior to actually taking the real test. The other uh, area that I think evidence-based grading uh, is superior to, say, more of a traditional uh, grading system is that staff are encouraged to have conversations with students to let them know constantly where they stand in their learning progression and ways that they can improve upon that. And it's all very clearly laid out on a rubric so they can actually point to and discuss you're a little weak in this area or you're really doing well in this area. This is how you would actually go about giving me that evidence to show that you become proficient in a specific skill. So lots of opportunities opportunities for um, growth, uh, failure is celebrated. It's, it's really um, a beautiful model, I think, for what learning should look like. So where can parents go for more information? So we have additional information posted on the RUSD public website and available in show notes. Awesome. Well, thank you all for being here today to help us better understand evidence-based grading. If you still have questions about how to read your student's report card or the specifics of evidence-based grading, like Joanna said, you can go to rusd.org, click on the slider about the podcast, and look for the supplements for this episode. Thanks for listening and watch for additional episodes of Are You in the Know coming soon.